Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Ryan, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is an affiliate of Amazon.com. If you're going to buy stuff on Amazon anyway, we'd appreciate it if you would first click on the link on the Rocktail Hour homepage or affiliates page so Amazon will send us a few dollars to help fund the free podcast. Today, Tim is going to bring us a story behind Locomotive Breath by Jethro Toll. Well, thanks, Treg. Um, if you've ever seen these guys perform live, they just blow people away. Even now, when they're older, and, and in fact, I think in many ways they're better, although I don't think Ian Anderson's voice is as strong as it used to be, and I don't think he's as good a singer as he used to be. What amazes me is these guys are you know getting into their late 60s and early 70s, and they are incredible, incredible seasoned, experienced musicians. And you can tell when they're playing music how, how effortless it is for them, you know, to, to play their instruments. Just incredible. They're tight and they have fun. Yeah. Well, Ian Anderson is such a showman. I mean, he's just, you know, a ham. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And, uh, you know, even though his voice isn't quite the same, it's, it still lends itself to the type of music and the songs that they wrote. And he, he, he has a beautiful voice when, when it suits his voice. Sometimes I think the music is a little mismatched to the voice, but in a way that's sort of oddly quirky, which is sort of what Jethro Tull is anyway. So when I first uh, became familiar with Jethro Tull, I, I heard things like Thick as a Brick. And so I kind of considered them more of a mellow rock kind of a band. And, and when I went to see them in 1984 during their Under Wraps tour, I found out how hard rocking these guys could really be. And and of course, their sort of quintessential hard rock song is is Locomotive Breath which if you've never seen performed live, you have never really experienced this song. This song is great on the radio, and, and it's great off of the album, but played live, uh, this song is incredible. And if you're watching it live, and I've seen Jethro Tull or Ian Anderson touring as Ian Anderson you know, probably four or five times, but if, if you've ever seen it live, you never see the same version twice. Uh, I know that Ian Anderson loves this song, and he loves playing it. So does he have solo albums, too? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I just wondered why he would tour. Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson are really prolific. I, they have dozens of albums, and, and when he's not recording with Jethro Tull or touring with Jethro Tull, Ian Anderson is writing his own uh, music. And in fact, my all-time favorite concert was the Thick as a Brick and Thick as a Brick 2 tour. And, you know, Thick as a Brick was a Jethro Tull album, and Thick as a Brick 2 was an Ian Anderson album. And it was um, interesting to have them played back to back, the way that they were written, and it was it was performance art. Holy cow! It was more like a Broadway review, to in my mind, only sort of more rock and roll, you know. But cool. they had characters, and and it was really quite good. So anyway, uh, this song obviously features Ian Anderson uh, on the flute, and uh, I know it's hard to believe. I know. Hard hard rock and flute. Yeah, it's hard to believe that, that somebody can really jam and wail on a flute, but Ian Anderson does it. When when I've heard him advertising their shows on the radio, he says, when I bring my heavy metal flute to Southern California, yeah, hmm. which is a real great description of the band, yeah. heavy metal flute. And unless you've really experienced him playing that live, you can hear it on an album and then you think, wow, that's really incredible. But to watch him do it live in his classic sort of, I don't know, 
the crane yoga pose, or I don't know what you would call that, you know, and uh, just just an incredible band. I can't say enough about them. Locomotive Breath um, is probably Jethro Tull's most well-known song, and and it's an incredible song for a lot of reasons. And there are a lot of uh, speculations on on the web and 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 elsewhere about what this song really means. A lot of people opine that that. Uh, because um, there's the line in the song that says Charlie stole the hammer, that it's about Vietnam and the way that the the soldiers were sort of helpless and their lives were out of control. Uh, Sounds like a great theory to me, but I don't really think that's what it's about. A lot of people talk about um, the idea that it's about a man's life that's out of control because it talks about losing children and losing um, the the man losing his wife to another man. Uh, And... A lot of people say that old Charlie is God. He's the conductor of this locomotive that is running out of control, and he steals the hammer, and now there's no way uh, to go back and, and fix the, the problem of the locomotive running out of control. It's forever on a path of destruction. There's no real clear-cut answer as to what this song is about, but in an interview, Ian Anderson says, When I wrote it, I wasn't deliberately setting out to write a piece of music about a particular subject. It evolved during the writing process into being not terribly specific, but about the issues of overcrowding, the rather claustrophobic feel of a lot of people in a limited space, and the idea of the incessant, unstoppable locomotive being a metaphor for the seemingly unstoppable population expansion on planet Earth. Well, if that's really what the song is about, then I'm disappointed. I'm going back to some of the other descriptions. (laughs) Let's let's just choose to believe it's about Vietnam. Right, yeah. (laughs) He goes on to say that when I look at it today, it does for me become very crystallized into being a song about unmanageable population expansion. It's something that concerns me even more today than it did back when I wrote it, when the population of planet Earth was only about two-thirds of what it is today. So in my lifetime alone, we've seen an enormous increase in population and an increase in the degree to which we devour our limited resources. So the idea of population planning and management is something I think we ought to be thinking about a lot more than we do. He goes on to say, does that mean I think we should sterilize everybody after the age of 30? No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) But the size of the family you want to have is going to be your choice. But you have to make the choice knowingly, wisely, and responsibly. So there you go. That's Ian Anderson? That's Ian Anderson saying that. I'm blown away by that. Yeah. And, well, and Ian Anderson... I've watched some things on YouTube, and I and I have a uh, a concert uh, DVD at home. On this DVD, there's interviews with uh, Ian Anderson, and he's a pretty wise guy, you know. And he's he's appears to be a pretty deep thinker. And and I'm not saying that everything he says is brilliant or everything he thinks is brilliant, but he he thinks a lot. And here's something interesting that I didn't know until I did the research for this song. But he's a pretty conservative guy. In the late 60s and early 70s, a lot of people, and this really rankled Ian Anderson, by the way, a lot of people thought that the band were into into drugs and, and, and the party scene, uh, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle, and they were absolutely not. They, they did not do drugs, and they didn't party the way a lot of the bands did. And he, in fact, he said that it caused a real rift between him and a famous singer from another band that they were touring with at the time. Now, can you imagine attending this concert? Jethro Tull opening for Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Holy cow. What an incredible, 
what an incredible concert. But he said that would be that, a dream. That tells you why they're still around today because of that lifestyle. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good you know. point. Yeah, but here's the thing. Apparently, and Ian Anderson says he and um, Led Zeppelin did not get along. Because they didn't embrace that lifestyle, and so there was always this sort of rift as they were touring. But makes he, sense. He says it really kind of bothered him when everybody, every in in his words, he said when everybody always thought I was high on amphetamines because <laughs> <laughs> they had this really low key lifestyle. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how the song was recorded. Ian Anderson wrote it. And he had a specific idea of how it needed to um, sound, and of course, this is a of course this song is a DJ's nightmare because no one even begins singing until about one minute thirty four seconds into the yeah. um, into the song. And in fact, for the first minute and twenty two seconds, it's just a piano playing, and it sort of, in my mind, tells the story of of the history of of rock and roll a little bit because it starts out a little. Um, classical but then it moves into more of a bluesy feel and then a little bit of jazz and then all of a sudden at, at around 123 you know you have all of these additional instruments that kick in and it becomes just a blasting thumping hard rocking song cool i'd never thought of that but that makes sense yeah that's cool you know really kind of cool um but it's a long song and and it's you know DJs didn't like it originally because, you know, it didn't really hook people in, or at least that's what they thought. But, of course, it became a very popular song, which was off of the Aqualung album, which was, you know, which is incredible. Not Aqualung. A, not a bad song on that album. Yep. 1971. That's what blows me away, you know, is is how old some of these songs are now. I was just going to mention, I noticed looking at their discography, this song is, is on... 20, about 20 of their other albums. <laughs> yeah. If you include all their live all the albums hits. and greatest yeah. hits and other stuff. Yeah. Greatest hits and live albums. And in fact, uh, I read on, I have a greatest hits album of Jethro Tull. And he always, one of the things I like about Jethro Tull albums is that Ian Anderson always, you know, provides a little insight into to, to the album or the cool. background. I love whatever. that. And he said, when... When I was a younger man, I used to hate greatest hits albums because it seemed really kitschy and and it seemed like a plea for buy my album and and spend more money on my yeah. songs. He says as I started putting together a music collection of my favorite bands, he said I really liked the greatest hit albums because then I could just <laughs> mm -hmm. go and listen to the ones that I liked the most. And so he finally says that he caved and agreed to do a greatest hits um, album for Jethro Tull. They have a lot of live albums too. I'm surprised. Lots of live albums. And, and so, you know, if you can't see Jethro Tull or Ian Anderson live, if you do listen to locomotive breath on some of these live albums, you'll get a really good feel for how the song changes from performance to performance. But unless you're seeing the whole package, you're missing out on one of the greatest performances in rock and roll history. Um, Locomotive Breath was recorded in a rather unusual manner for the time that it was recorded. The entire track was pieced together from overdubs. The band did never play this song uh, together while it was being recorded because Ian Anderson couldn't get the band to play it the way he wanted it to sound. Wow. Huh. So most of the parts of the song were recorded separately, and Ian Anderson did his normal flute and vocal parts, and he did a, um, He also played the bass, the drum, the hi-hat, and the acoustic guitar, and some electric guitar parts. And we talked about this a little bit when we did the podcast about uh, Stairway to Heaven, and um, 
Jimmy Page would speed up the guitar a little bit, and and um, the drummer instinctively wanted to go faster than Jimmy Page wanted to go, and and they had a hard time mixing it up. Ian Anderson says it took several attempts to record this song, as Anderson had to impress on the band that musically it was supposed to feel like a train on the tracks, uh, not one that goes off and explodes. And the band was sort of taking it into this chaotic tempo, um, he said he used the analogy of a boiler building up pressure to describe the song musically. And then he went on to say that restraining the drummer is always a challenge whenever he's performing this song live because the drummers just want to speed up and speed up and speed up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and you have to be really controlled to, to give it that chugging locomotive sound. He, al- he also says that when he, you know, he sings the word oh-ho, it's supposed to sound like all aboard. Uh, when a conductor shouts that to to have the people come on the train. So, interesting. Um, I think he has an interesting viewpoint about music, and um, I think at heart, he's a musician, and he's really a a professor of music. I mean, I don't mean that to sound (laughs) um, really pretentious, but I just think he could teach people a lot about um, the the feelings and the emotions that, that music of evoke by the way that you do different things musically somebody could pick up a guitar or a keyboard and play notes but i think that the people that well i think ian anderson and the people he surrounded himself with can pick up those same instruments and play those notes but interpret them as they're playing as well and i think there's a big difference i think there's a lot of people that technically are very sound in in being able to play notes and then there's people that really are able to interpret notes we talked about this before when we talked about Jimmy Page. Um, as I watched a, um, I watched a documentary about him showing somebody how he uh, played the guitar and how um, he came up with uh, the different songs that that he composed. And it was really fun to watch him play because it was really, and I and I mean this sincerely, it was really hard for him sometimes, or it was really hard for me sometimes to see where his hands ended and the guitar began because they were so fluid. And and it was obvious that this, this guy wasn't playing notes. He was playing emotions and feelings. Thanks, Tim. Great rock tale hour about a great Jethro Tull song. You can listen to a clip from the song on iTunes by clicking on the album link on the rock tale hour website. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.